This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the Foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Hilo Sports Podcast. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, the last month has been maddening. I think it's living up to the name March Madness across various sports as well. We got an interesting set of topics to talk about today, a lot of movement on the gridiron and on the basketball court to uh, break out the Cinderella shoes because there's some teams going dancing that we didn't expect to see this far. Yeah, I mean, look, hey, Cinderella might have finally found her slippers. Not only did we get a first-round upset in the belly-up March Madness tournament, but this whole tournament has been filled with actual uh, Cinderella stories. And I'm not just talking about the men's March Madness, because, by the way, let's not forget, this is the first year women got to advertise using the March Madness name as well. And there's been tons of upsets over there as well. This has been absolutely out- insane. My my pick for the women's bracket, Iowa, got bounced out mm-hmm. early on by Creighton, which, by the way, bounced out by a former Iowa athlete hitting the game-winning shot, game shot for Creighton. Fantastic storyline there, but. Look at the men's men's bracket. You got St. Peter's over there. You have, you know, uh, Miami. They're facing off against an 11 seed as well. It's like there's all sorts of things going on in this this tournament, and we're not even to some of the the crazier things that have happened so far. Well, you gave a heck of an introduction there, so that's going to lead us right into our first segment, also known as the Tip Off, brought to you by Doctor Squash. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. All these wonderful soap scents and scents you could want, all for a really reasonable price. Click link in our bio and get started there as well too. And you know what? We're just going to go right into it. March Madness has been absolutely wild. You got us alluded to it, but uh, I think that's that that tagline for those watching the live stream summarizes it perfectly. The year of the underdog. We've seen a whole lot of upsets already, the biggest one being St. Peter's. Not only up, upsetting second second seed Kentucky in the first round, but following it up by taking out Murray State, the seventh seed in the next round, to advance to the round of 16 as well, too. So talk about an incredible run for them and that's only one up so that's just like the that's the pinnacle of the upsets there's been plenty more to talk about as well too i mean uh, looking at it as well too on the other side of the bracket we saw two and three seeds auburn and wisconsin both go down as well too we saw three crazy seeds tennessee go down what was that sir crazy to see that auburn auburn fell to miami I, I knew once they faced off against miami though that was gonna be a tough one i gotta say but that was like still crazy to see 
Absolutely. And then on top of that, too, uh, North Carolina bouncing Baylor as well, too, after an incredible comeback by the Bears after getting scorched early, but able to make it a close one as well, too. So I guess I'll go ahead and ask you, uh, looking at all of these upsets as well, too, let's go. There's a whole lot to go through. Let's go and talk about which one. Which one really stands out to you right now? Which one are you like, wow, you got to be kidding me? I mean, is it? I, is it too easy to pick St. Peter's? Like, I, I guess that's my motif at this point in time on the All show. Right, we'll, we'll correct that. Besides St. Peter's, who's number two? Oh, man, that's tough, honestly. Like, because you look at it and, and there were so many, so many that I kind of was like, all right, well, I can see this one happening. Um, but at the same time, you're like, did I really expect that to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, Michigan doesn't surprise me in the least. Let me be Not completely fair about that one. Mm-hmm. Michigan playing Nova, that, uh, I'm, I expected that. But... St. Peter didn't expect. Obviously, we're not counting them. Providence, I expected. But the Iowa State, Miami, honestly, I'm going to take a tie between the two of them because they're both like, how do you do 11 and a 10 seed matching up at the bottom of a bracket, beating a two and three seed to get there? That's not easy to do. Like, it's not like they beat a, somebody who beat a three seed. They didn't beat a 15 who beat a two seed to get there. They beat the two and the three to get there, along with their tougher opponent in the first round as well. So, like, Bravo to both of them. Maybe even maybe more so Iowa State personally than than Miami, just because they were not great in the regular season play. Well, it's kind of weird. You mentioned those two looking at it as well too. So Iowa State in the first round squeaked by LSU 59-54 in a close game, and then Miami squeaked by USC 68 to 66. They actually beat their tougher ranked the two and the three seeds by more points. Iowa State won 54 to 49, and then Miami 79 to 61 over Auburn. So they actually. Had a better success, the better the competition got as well, too. So that was an interesting note. And one of those teams is going to be advancing on into the Elite Eight round as well, too, where they'll take on either Kansas or Providence. So that would be a really interesting matchup there as well, yeah. too. One that kind of stuck out to me is I was honestly surprised to see North Carolina beat Baylor as well. Not because Baylor was that good. It's because last year I had the exact same thing happening to Baylor getting upset in that round, and they went on to win the whole thing and destroyed my bracket. So I was surprised to see North Carolina kind of rallying, able to step up to that moment, especially after giving up that 25-point lead as well, too, and letting Baylor with an absolutely heroic comeback before sealing it in overtime. So, now, the resolve and the way they did it is what really surprised me about that one. Yeah, you know, that one is actually really interesting because I remember we were, we were hanging out that day just, like, chilling at the house and turned on the game. It's like a 20-point game. Like, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, Baylor's, Baylor's, Baylor's done. <laughs> they fought their way back, and it was like, I mean, they nickeled and dimed their way back in this one, and then UNC, man, I, I thought for sure they were going to get bounced in the previous round. I had I had Baylor being upset in this round, but by the opposite team, by, by UNC's mm-hmm. opponent last round. But UNC continues to just kind of prove like, hey, we don't need Roy Williams. We are still UNC at the end of the day. We are that team. Like, you still need to fear us. We are the Tar Heels. The, as, as MJ said about this Tar Heels team at one point in time, the roof is the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it's, you never know what you're going to get with them night, night in and night out, but it is, I don't know. It's entertaining to watch them. And, and yeah, it's look what they did to Baylor. Wow. <laughs> Defending national championship champions. Congratulations. You just beat them. What's even cool though, is we get a clash of two OGs, if you will, in this round too, with North Carolina now taking on UCLA as well too. And for a chance to go to the elite eight times are finally starting to come back. These are teams that have been so good for so much of their history, struggled a little bit here and there in recent years, finally with a little bit of a comeback and maybe a chance to make a run. We talked a lot about St. Peter's, and I guess it's time to kind of revert back to them a little bit as well, too. Obviously, that big upset over Kentucky shook the world. Then taking on Murray State and winning that game pretty comfortably as well, too. Now they take on a team that you kind of had on upset watch in our preview, taking on Purdue as well, too. Team that I weirdly had going far and a team that you were like that you also said, 
you know what? Don't be surprised they get upset because they have some really weird stats against them as well, too. So that's going to be a really interesting match to see if St. Peter's goes on this George Mason type run or if Purdue can kind of bury some of their defensive demons, if you will. And, and this is it. I mean, Purdue, man, that's been that's been the worry. Like, that's the stat, right? They're top 20 in, in offensive efficiency, bottom 120 in defensive efficiency. So it's like, okay, well, how are you going to stop? And, and, and honestly, St. Peter's offense is built to beat big teams. I mean, you watch this offense. This is a perfect motion offense. It's it's perfect pick and rolls. Um, we were watching it, and they they ran a high pick and roll against a zone matchup, which doesn't normally happen. You don't run a high pick and roll versus a zone matchup and get a near corner three point open shot. That doesn't happen. And we watched St. Peter's do it three four times, and it was consistently just like uh, you. It's just coaching. Coaching is on another level with St. Peter's and. Um, interesting enough, interesting enough, the head coach for St. Peter's, he is a pretty experienced March Madness opponent. He was the, uh, a point guard back in the day, uh, in, in the 2000s run. I forget which school, but he, he led his team on a March Madness run in 2000. And, uh, by the way, he's going to get himself a nice paycheck at the end of the year, whether it's for a bigger team or if he stays at St. Peter's and in, in Jersey city, I, I don't know, but yeah, it'll be, uh, this team is fun to watch, man. Either way, there will be some zeros chiming in for him as well, too. The, only, the other upset in the first round, I want to point out that it's surprising, but at the same time, it's not surprising at all whatsoever. Iowa falling to Richmond 67-63. to 63. Iowa's kind of a weird team where it feels like they've almost turned into regular season heroes the last few years. Like They are so good in the regular season, but comes March Madness, they are always seem to be primed for an upset. They always Their offense seems to just really struggle. It almost looks like Iowa's football offense when they get to March Madness as well, too. It's like if they, they get a little cold from the outside, they seem to fall apart, so... That was an interesting one as well, too, which isn't surprising, but at the same time, it's like, this was really now you're falling apart again. Like, you have a seven year senior in Jordan Bohannon, and you're still struggling to get out of the first two rounds. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's Jordan Bohannon, by the way, uh, ultimate disappointment for Iowa fans, I feel like, after he came in with such promising, ever since he intentionally missed a free throw to not break the record, which is, uh, again, a very heartwarming story. But ever since he missed that free throw, he has literally just never been consistent after that. Like, a, you don't know what to get from him. It's a roller coaster ride, to say the least. And one upset that didn't happen, but got awfully close and had people sweating. Gonzaga versus Memphis. A close game down to the wire. Gonzaga pulled off late, 82-78. to 78. That had a lot of brackets uh, sweating, if you will, as well, too. A lot of people were looking at that game and starting to feel nervous. So go ahead and go and toss you, Kelsey, as we head into the round of 16. Gonzaga's taking on Arkansas. What, what, do you, what do you see when you look at that game? Who do you got in that one? Uh, I have Gonzaga. And I just think there's this Arkansas I don't trust. Um, they look in the SEC, they beat Auburn. They couldn't beat anybody else until it came down to the tournament, in which case they were got on a roll, but I don't concede them being consistent enough to beat Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy down low. Um, look, and and I watched Drew Timmy and and Chet Holmgren completely struggle so far in this tournament in in comparison to what they did in the regular season. But I still don't think Arkansas has enough at the end of the day to be able to, to compete. So that's going to be the big difference. Um, but yeah, I, I do have Gonzaga going over Arkansas on this one. I will say too, when I look at, it, I think almost losing to Memphis is going to be a wake up call for everyone as well too. And I think they're going to take it out on Arkansas, so I can see this being a mini route, if you will, as well yeah. too. I will say month. Memphis though. Look, hey, everybody says it a lot about Memphis being a nine seed. I, I will be honest and say that Memphis was one of my guys. Like, I was watching them in case they possibly could sneak one in. They they're a sneaky good team, and they, they have been all any other of the sections against any of those other number one yeah. seeds. They could have made some noise. I think Gonzaga was that's a tough match for you. Yeah, oh, they would have they done the same thing that UNC did to Baylor. Probably, actually, honestly, they might have walked the dog against Baylor, if I'm being completely honest, because Memphis, when they're on a roll, 
that team just keeps rolling. It is actually really scary when they're on a roll, how, how good they are offensively. But yeah, they could have walked the dog with Baylor, but I mean, yeah, you, you said any other number one team they face except for Gonzaga, they probably, probably pull it out. So yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that one. I'm looking at Texas tech and Duke now, and I think Texas tech is game, but I think Duke is once again, going to find a way to pull it out. I mean, they walked through Cal state Fullerton pretty comfortably and they had a pretty close, but a comfortable win over Michigan state as well too. So I think, Texas Tech, Duke, I think Duke's going to find a way to get out of this one. Maybe not comfortably, but they'll they'll win it securely. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, I had them, I had it uh, set up for Coach K to get to the get to the sweet uh, or Elite Eight again um, in this one. And and it's I, I hate to say it, but I don't think he has a better path than he does now looking at this one. And I, I think Duke, again, uh, much like Gonzaga, holds on to the favorite type of situation and, and is able to pull this one out and, and get themselves to the elite eight. Absolutely. Next moving down the bracks, we got the blue bloods, UNC versus UCLA. And you know what? I think I'm going to give UNC the upset. I think I'm going to say they pull it off as well too. I think when they can get cooking like they did as well too, I think they could be a problem. UCLA is really good, but give me UNC to continue this surprising run and the eight C getting to the next round as well too, to the elite eight. Yeah. I, I, truthfully, I, I see no reason why I had UCLA, UCLA getting bounced earlier on anyways. Um, and I, again, I will say this, I had Baylor losing to an upset in the last round anyways. So I'm going to continue that theme that Baylor did not exist in this round hmm. and will be upset here. So like, <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's basically what I'm doing. I'm the team that beat Baylor is going to continue to advance is, is in what I see in my eyes. That, that works as well too. Next one we got, this is the one for you. St. Peter's taking on Purdue. Are you riding with St. Peter's? Do you think they pull Give this me. one off or do you think they, do you think the Cinderella story, the heel? Oh, well, as DJ decided he wanted to, to take a break real fast, uh, I'll go ahead and answer this question for him with a uh, beautiful quote from the other guys. I'm a peacock captain. You got to let me fly. And that is 100% what I'm going with. These peacocks right now, I mean, they are absolutely ready to, 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 to spread their wings and fly, if you will, uh, in this one. And, and I think I think they're going to be able to pull this one off. DJ, though, obviously I have myself going with St. Peter's. I, I want to see the peacocks fly like the other guys. What do you think in this one? Yeah, give me Purdue. I, I think I, I like St. Peter's. I think they have a good chance, but uh, get, give me Purdue on this one. I think they found. I think they found a little bit of a rhythm offensively. I think they're going to get going, and I th- I think they're going to continue the advance. They were kind of my. I think they were going to get to the Final Four. I think they were going to come out of this bracket, and I think they're going to keep that one going as well too. I think it's close though. I think it's going to be close early, and it's going to be like, oh, is St. Peter's going to do it? But I think Purdue's going to get hot down the stretch and separate just a little bit. But it's a very uh, interesting matchup as well too. Jumping yeah. on to the other side now. That matchup you mentioned earlier, Iowa State taking on Miami as well, too. Double-digit teams trying to get to the Elite Eight. How do you see that one playing out? I think I'm going to lean towards – I'm personally leaning towards ISU because I think they play a little bit better defense. I think they could just get in Miami's face just enough so they don't get cooked. This is going to sound weird, but I think this might be the best game of this Sweet 16. <laughs> uh, I really do. I think both of these teams shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, in, if you look at this one, obviously March Madness is where Cinderella stories are born and blah, 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 all the other – Crazy things you want to come up with for it. But in reality, neither one of these teams are supposed to be here. Both teams had a pretty relatively poor regular season, if I'm being fair. Their tournament, conference tournaments, weren't great for either one of them. So this is going to be one of those situations where you see two teams just like, I don't have anything to lose. Let's just go out there and ball out. You might see 20 missed three-point shots from both sides, but this will still be the most exciting up and down, back and forth game, I think, of the tournament. Um, you're going Iowa State. I, you know what? Give me, give me Miami in this one. They upset Auburn. I think they can, they can pull this one out too. Absolutely. Next we have Kansas taking on Providence. Providence, a darn good team. They've ran through Richmond comfortably, but I think Kansas, 
squeaking by Creighton a little bit. I think Kansas is kind of similar to Gonzaga. I think having a close game, it's going to put them on a second alert going to this one to avoid this upset. So I think having that close game with Creighton is going to give Kansas that extra boost, and I think they're going to get by Providence. And that hey, that's yeah, that's your your opinion. I still have Providence okay. continuing their role to the lead. <laughs> you know, it's I there's Providence Friars, man. Again, I think they might have been slided with a, with a four seed in this. I do. I, I think they're one of those teams that they're a four seed, yeah, on paper, but they're just as good as some of these two seeds, and even I'd even say two of the one seeds that have now lost. I mean, I think they're a really good team that they got slided by being a mid major. I mean, that's at the end of the day what I think happened. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. Give me, give me, give me Providence. I'm gonna. I, I had a good feeling about them when I picked my bracket, so I'm gonna continue that good feeling. All right, and we're going to start rounding this out in the south bracket now. So we got Michigan taking on Villanova. You've been really high on Michigan. Do you think they get to the Elite Eight, or do you think it stops here with against Villanova? Oh, absolutely. Give me Michigan. Uh, say what you will about Juwan Howard and his aftermath, but, uh, yeah, no, give me give me Michigan. This team is playing for their coach, and getting if you're a coach, getting your, te- getting your team to play for you is the toughest thing you can do. But once you do it, these teams will literally run through brick walls for you. So – 100% give me this Michigan team and Juwan Howard. Villanova's a better team, but you smacked the nail on the head with that one. I think they're playing a little more galvanized right now. I think they feel slighted being that 11 seed when they've been better than that all season as well, too, until the end. So give me Michigan as well, too. I agree with you on that one, For but not because they're necessarily the better team, because it is March and the madness will continue. And the last one, we got Arizona taking on Houston. Houston, last year was one of your dark horse teams as well, too. Arizona, a number one seed. I'm going to stick with Arizona on this one. I think it's going to be close. I, I wanted to roll with Houston, but... I think I'm going to stick with Arizona. What are your thoughts on that one? I'm going to get burned by Houston again. Mm-hmm. And this time by picking against Houston. I thought Houston last year was going to be a darling to get to the championship game. And they burned me. Well, they burned me. <laughs> this is the best way I can put it. But Arizona has been my – they're going to get. They're going to be the team that gets there. Uh, you, you know, that if it was either going to be Arizona or Auburn. Um, and, and since Auburn's not there, uh, you know, in that final four matchup. So then give me Arizona to get there and, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Arizona versus Providence in that next round. Yeah, absolutely. It should definitely be a fun round of basketball games coming this one. I can't wait for all of our brackets. We just made to somehow get busted as well too. Everything we just said, even with the office, somehow we'll both find a way to lose completely as well too. All right. You know, I still have a chance though. My, my championship winner is still there and three of my four final four teams are still there. So we're the, we have a chance. I say mine's not too bad. I mean, I missed a few early, but I'm, I'm still hanging in there for the same reasons. Like, I still have a chance down the stretch. Just right now, it's not looking too good. But the ones I need to survive, survive. So yeah. we'll definitely see how this one plays off in our main brackets as well, too. But that was going to do it for the tip-off, which is going to take us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show, the main event. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary for Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The main event, of course, brought to you by ColorCast, one of the premier audio listening sports apps you'll find on the market. Go ahead and download it right now. A lot of fun things coming there as well, too. So you'll definitely want to keep an eye on that moving forward as well. And you know what, Kelsey? The madness, we talked about the madness in basketball. I think the NFL might have won up there. March Madness is now an NFL then basketball thing, the way it's been going right now. Lots of trades, lots of movement. And the biggest one of them all, arguably, is 
Deshaun Watson getting traded to the Cleveland Browns for a pile of picks, not even any players. An interesting note on that one. They didn't have to give up a single player, just had to give up the farm, I guess. Like the, I don't even, that's the farm, but you didn't have to give up the animals that are on the farm, I guess. I don't even know how to describe it at this point, but Deshaun is heading to Cleveland to become the quarterback of the Browns, joining one of your favorite cow, former Cowboys, Amari Cooper. What are your thoughts on this one as we move forward as well, too? What are your thoughts on this? This one is a very uh, complex topic to talk about. Because if you have Deshaun, the football player, top 10 quarterback, fantastic player. The problem is you can't talk about Deshaun, the football player, without talking about Deshaun, the aftermath, the, the outside of the field thing. And 22 pending cases, no longer in criminal court, but in uh, civil court. Thank you. Um, and so it's tough. It's a very nuanced subject. The Browns did get better. That's no doubt in my mind. Um, there's still moves that need to be made. But, I, I mean, obviously they did get better. But this is a very – like, it's so hard to talk about this top topic and not kind of, like, chagrin at the same time. Like, you signed Deshaun, but did you sign your soul away, too, at the same time? Like, what, what's the – I don't know. It, it's, a weird, it's a weird topic to talk about in, in, in a lot of ways. But did they get better on the field? Absolutely. Are Browns fans going to be happy? Eh. Brown fans are never happy. You know, you know what? I've got, I'm going to treat this like this is the movie Shrek. It's like an onion. There are layers to it. I'm going to yeah. peel a couple of these, but I'm not going too deep because I don't need to start. I don't need the, I don't need that stank in my nose as well, too. On the one hand, you mentioned everything about the field as well, too. Did they sell their soul? Possible. Because the 22 things, that's not something you just, that's not done yet. Just because yeah. he's not getting charged currently, it's not over yet. There's still stuff sitting out there as well, too. The part that kind of sticks out to me is, there's a chance he's going to get suspended still, depending on how these mm -hmm. things play out. Like it, Ben Roethlisberger had two, was it two civil cases that got settled out of court and still missed, I think it was six games or something like that as well, too. Yep. We've seen Calvin Ridley's out for a year with a, for gambling. We've seen Kareem Hunt get suspended for eight games for his incident, if yeah. you will. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't get suspended. They reworked a contract for him. So basically he's only making a million dollars this year. So he has 230 million guaranteed. And if he gets suspended this year, it doesn't matter. Like he's going to get fined almost nothing compared to what he's going to be making. That's the part that's on top of everything else. It's a little bit, there's a thick stinky layer of the onion right there, if you will as well. So here's the one thing I look at is Roger Goodell knows this. He, for all the flack he gets and a lot of it rightfully deserved, honestly, sometimes he's kind of a goober. He's a smart guy. You know, he's looking at that. He's like, Oh really Browns? He's going to sit back and wait, probably let them play. Might even just let them play through this year. Let the civil course kind of play out. Let's, hypothetically just say that they get settled outside of court. Just we're hypothetically obviously as well to just kind of go out how previous transgressions could go. As soon as that happens, I can see Roger Lillman like, all right, now that that's done Deshaun, you're missing 10 games next year. And then taking about where that will actually hit right in the pocketbook as well too. So there's a lot of layers where it's kind of, it's uncomfortable. Are they better on the field? More than likely. I mean, like I don't see why they wouldn't be. The weird thing with Deshaun is you mentioned he's a top 10 caliber quarterback. He only he's only two wins above 500 for his career, which is kind of interesting considering he's and the last obviously his last season that that Texans team was kind of a mess, obviously. So that's not really being held against him. They won four games with him. They won four games last year at Davis Mills. Like how big of a difference maker was he? Like he's a playmaker, but is he a game changer? That's where I'm wondering as well, too. And he had plenty of talent there before. I mean, Andrew Luck was out for like th three of those years of his in his career as well, too. So he was the best quarterback in that division. So I'm curious to see how it works. There's obviously work to be done on the field, but the layers off the field is absolutely messy. Like it's a, we'll see how that works though. But you, 
I don't know, honestly. You mentioned there's it's kind of hard to talk about as well. We'll see we'll see how it plays out. And if if he even does play this year or if he plays next year, how the suspension works, the contract thing. There's a weird stank to it as well, too. And obviously, not getting criminally charged, not gonna get too far into that as well, too. Not gonna dig into the weeds. Everyone has their day in court, but it, it's got a weird feeling to it. That's how I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that part of it at that. It's got a weird feeling to it. I'm tired of digging through this stinky onion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, and here's a question for you. All right, so you mentioned actually his his win percentage. He's actually two games under 500 on his win percentage. Is it actually under 500? Uh, no, sorry, over 500. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, did I, can I, I was like, holy cow, I was really off. But okay, so it's like 32 and 30 or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, okay. it is very close. And that's the thing. It's like, wow, it's extremely close to your, to what you would uh, not expect from a guy who you can consider a top, 10 quarterback when he's on, on the field and playing. Um, now, you, you had Baker one game below 500, 29 and 30, with a very nuanced understanding of this Kevin Stefanski offense. Do you think, even if Deshaun plays somehow, that his offense can somehow excel, even though Stefanski is known to hamstring players who make plays, that just naturally make plays? I'm curious about that as well, too, because I look at the quarterbacks he's had his best work with, Kirk Cousins, and those eight to ten games of Baker Mayfield as well, too. They don't have the improvisational skills like a Deshaun Watson does. That Kirk Cousins a little more of an on-schedule type of quarterback as well, too. He'll take what's there. Baker, not so much. He's very erratic. He kind of He's really Carson Wentz-esque with a little bit less mobility and similar arm strength, but not quite the same arm strength, I guess, as far as the ability to rocket it. He could probably throw it as deep but not sling it through tight windows as well, if yeah. that makes sense. And then on top of that, Deshaun's probably not going to keep you on schedule quite as much, but as soon as a play is not there with that first read, he can make something happen. He His ability to maneuver around the pocket if something breaks down is second to none. I have never, I don't think a blitzing defensive back can tackle him besides Kenny Moore. I don't think it, he seems to break one every single time. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah. like, in those situations, I think it's going to be great. I think there'll be a few times he's going to miss a few layups, but he's going to make so many threes as well, too, that they were missing. And then the underrated fact is, Amari Cooper is going to be sensational for them on third down because it's a they have two really good tight ends. You have all the good running backs. Honestly, if Deshaun could just taper back a little bit of his running around, holding it like a loaf of bread and trying to make too many plays, I think they're going to be absolutely fantastic as well too. And Amari Cooper, you can't not double team him. Like if you don't, oh, yeah. he, he'll cook. He'll, he'll cook. They still have some work to do to get better, as you mentioned. But on the field, I'm really, really curious to see how Stefanski is going to tweak this offense. I think we're going to see a lot of those bootlegs we saw with Kirk Cousins, but with a more dynamic feel to him. And I think a lot of things you were see that we didn't see last year because Baker was injured slash he's kind of limited as a quarterback as well, too. So I think I'm curious to see what Stefanski is going to be able to do to open things up. And they did sign Jacoby Brissett as a backup, a weirdly mobile, strong-armed guy as well, too, who will make a lot of mistakes but can keep the offense on schedule. So if he does yeah. have to play, it's a very interesting look that we have looking for. Un- looking for. I feel like that's an underrated move, by the way. An underrated locker room move, bringing in Jacoby Brissett. There's a guy who's known as a strong locker room presence. Literally always been known that way. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not forget his story about him when he was at NC State, driving down to the game to support his teammates while he wasn't even playing. Driving to um, every single away game while he had to sit out as a transfer. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like, so I mean, that's that could be a, that could be a part of this whole thing that is underrated. If Deshaun doesn't play for a whole season for some reason, and Jacoby Brissett takes the range, you said as you said, he is good at keeping them on schedule. And the Browns are a team when they're successful; they are on schedule. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a perfect fit right there. Um, but now we do have to look at their other moves that they need to be looking at. What do you think the next move for the Browns are? All right, we're going to go down. You don't have any draft picks. So it's going to have to be free agency or later round picks. 
you got to get a second receiver in there as well to just somebody to play opposite Amari Cooper with people's Jones Schwartz. Jarvis Landry be the perfect guy to bring back if they decide to. We'll see how that goes as well, too. I think you honestly, you need to find an offensive lineman like a guy to replace JC Treader. Just plug in. Honestly, they probably have a guy on their roster as well, too. They probably have guys they like in there. They'll be okay. You got two all, all pro type guards in Betonio and Teller. You'll be fine. Yeah. Defensively, just a little bit of bolstering, honestly. Just a little. Make, if you could bring back Jadavian Clowney, that's perfect. Just just bolster it at any level, honestly, because your secondary is good when it's healthy. Miles Garrett's Miles freaking Garrett. Jiraiya Wusu Cormo is absolutely incredible. Look for him to be a potentially take that next step and be a Pro Bowl caliber player next year. Maybe another pass rusher and maybe just a little bit more help with stopping the run because you're in that division now as well, too. So just little things like that. Honestly, bring back some of the guys that are that you have as free agents and maybe just a small piece here or there. But they're in a really, really good spot. They just we'll have to wait and see. They also, I don't know, they have a good amount of money to work with this year because, well, we already talked about that. So we'll see what yeah. they have in mind. Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I love that. I love the idea of bringing drivers back, bringing back to David Clowney. Two spots you definitely need to fill. Um, I also look at maybe corner. I know they have fantastic corner uh, in Denzel Ward, but health-wise, do you have a third corner that can slide into that slot, That especially that, that nickel corner? Can you get there? Because obviously, they're starting two corners. Fine. Just, uh, I mean, you're good. But you need a nickel corner there to help out because you don't have one anymore. Um, everybody that was playing that role last year is either gone through free agency or gone through a trade. Uh, that's That's been it. And so that's a worry. I also worry that Mac Wilson trade for Winovich. I don't know how well that's going to play off. I, Winovich is a much more tackle-heavy tackle, fa- tackle heavy player as far as like behind, like in front of the line of scrimmage. So basically, once the player's already gained positive yards, Winovich will make a tackle there. Mac Wilson's more of a player that makes a tackle on the backfield. So it's very... Two different type of linebacker, so that always that that intrigues me, um, but in a weird way. Like I don't really like it. I'm really so. curious. I Winovich is a Belichick type of player that was really good with Belichick and is going to struggle here. Or if he was just really really good, if he was pretty good, and then he's going to be even better now in a different type of role. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. I'm really curious as well about that one too. But Browns are definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. But they're not the only team out here making moves now either. And moves with with guys that are a little bit questionable as well too. Is the fastest guy in the league, arguably is on the move, and he's going to the South Beach as Tyreek Hill is going to the Dolphins for not one, not two, not three, not four, but five draft picks for a, for the receiver, and he is signing a new deal to make him the highest-paid receiver of all time, surpassing Devontae Adams roughly, what, a, a week after he just became the highest-paid receiver of all time, too? This is insane. And again, you get another Drew Rosenhaus player hmm. making money when he sees somebody else taking over the, the top-paid spot that's not a Drew Rosenhaus athlete. I don't think Devontae's a Drew Rosenhaus athlete, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, it's like, well, go figure. Drew Rosenhaus, as much crap as he gets, he gets his players paid. This is not a move I had on my radar at all. I did no, a little bit. I, like I, we, 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 we got this message at like 11 o'clock this morning, and we all we we sent a sent thing to our Twitter group chat that we have, and that was like, that was it. Like <laughs> we all were just like, no way, this is true. Not even an hour later, it's literally, hey, Tyreek's going to the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You said what? No, 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 no. Like, that's a joke, right? This is this didn't make sense to me. But then I thought about it from the Chiefs perspective. You just signed Juju. You just get in. You uh, you have Ben. Uh, sorry, you have Josh Gordon. You have you signed Corey Coleman as well. You're probably going to get a receiver in the draft now. I mean, you could probably go sign any one of these top six receivers and be okay coming into the draft and for the dolphins wow 
Uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. I, I don't know if there's a faster top two receivers in the league. And Devontae Parker's that thorough, and he runs a he runs a low four four on top of it as well too. So can you move him to tight end? Like can can he play like a, a tight end stretch role? Like obviously you have Gasicki. I don't know. You you can't really replace Gasicki. Like the Dolphins' offense got real scary real fast. Absolutely, and bringing in Teron Armstead at left tackle too. So they're all in on two. It's like two of you got it. We got you an offensive coach in McDaniel. We got you the two burners of burners in the league right now as well too. And Jalen Waddle as amazingly fast as he is too. He's not really used as a deep threat. He caught so many underneath routes just to use his speed. And then Tyreek is the epitome of a deep threat. Tua threw a really good fade route in college up the sideline to guys like Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, Ruggs, and squad. He hopefully still got it. Hopefully he's not like squinting like, is Ruggs out there somewhere? You know I'm not getting the ball all the way down there now, sir. Hopefully he's able to still let it rip and let it fly. And if I'm the Chiefs, I I get it. You can't, you already are paying Patrick Mahomes, you're paying Chris Jones. You have all that money already invested. You can't make Tyreek the highest paid receiver as well, but Still kind of surprising. I feel like it takes a little bit of a damper out of the Chiefs as well, too. I feel like obviously Patrick Mahomes is the cog. Tyree, excuse me, Travis Kelsey is the horse, but Tyree killed kind of, he added that little extra flavor that made the Chiefs the Chiefs. And I think they're going to definitely miss that this next year. Yeah. There was, there was just something knowing that Tyree Kill is on the outside there that, it, well, I mean, if he even lined up outside, sometimes he'd line up in the slot and, or even in the backfield. And the next thing you know, he gets the ball and he rattles off 60 yards mm-hmm. and he walks into the end zone and his patented like deuces. Hmm. Literally on it. Oh well, now now it's he just sticks his glove up like this, and the deuce is already painted hmm. on the glove because you know now he gets a fine if he puts the deuces up. Um, but yeah, it's like that change of uh, it went. I think I feel like we just watched the Chiefs go from NFL Street Team to Madden Team that fast. Like I feel like they're no longer that team that just goes and plays backyard football anymore. Like with Tyreek Hill, with Travis Kelsey, you knew you knew you'd get you'd get Travis Kelsey around the sticks. Tyreek Hill would just go make a play. But get open and make a play somehow, like in the freakish athlete athlete way that he could. Last year with Byron Pringle, he would do the same things, but in a smaller effect. Now he's gone as well. Like it's very unique for the Chiefs going forward. I I don't want to say they're going to go more to a normal offense, but I feel like they're going to become more boring and become more normal now. It's it is a very unique look now with Tyreek Lee. I really like the Juju signing as a guy that can help you move the chains, work the middle of the field with Kelsey and those type of things as well too. But I don't like it as much now when he's your number one and Tyree Kill is gone. Like it doesn't unless Mikola Hartman's gonna slide into that role and be able to take the top off more consistently. But it's a very interesting move for them moving forward. And the Dolphins, I think it puts them in a position to compete with like the Bills in their division and the Patriots. Like it puts them in a spot where they could be like, okay, guys, we're still here. You gotta fear us a little bit as well, too, because Patriots defense got a little bit worse as well, too, losing JC Jackson. So I'm really curious to see how this works. And Honestly, if it can't work, if Tua can't make this work, like if he can't lead them to the playoffs, I think he's done in Miami. I think this is your put-up-or-shut-up type year. It's all in or nothing. If you don't get to the playoffs or make some serious noise, I think he's going to be gone, and they're going to be searching for a quarterback. And weird enough, they still do have their first-round pick next year. So if they do struggle, they might have a chance there as well, too. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, only getting rid of the 29 and 50. Uh, the, those those are the top two picks that they're getting rid of this, this year, along with a fourth-rounder. Like, that's not a bad – like if you can get rid of something, you might as well get rid of a top, like a high first round and a and a low and a mid range second round. Like you don't feel as bad about that. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Mike McDaniel has his his work cut out for him. But let's that's it. Brings us to this question, DJ. Where do they fall now in the AFC? The, the whole wonderful landscape that is the AFC with all the changes now. Where where are your power rankings for the AFC leading you? 
All right, so we won't go too deep into this as well because there's a lot of weeds. So there's 16 teams. I'm going to point out the Jets aren't going to be very high, but look out for them. I like what they're doing. If Zach Wills could take that next step, they could be very interesting because they have some good draft picks as well. So I mentioned them because they're not going to be very high on this list. I'm just going to go through like my top five and a half right now. We'll start at, start at the five spot right now, and I'm taking a page from the Kelsey Rankings playbook. It is a tie for me. I have two teams here right now, and the reason they're tied, I'm giving the tiebreaker to the Chiefs at number five over the Colts by a slight margin simply because both teams have some needs, and I think they're going to address them moving forward, but they're not there yet. The Colts, they need another receiver. They need some speed. They need something to go with Matt Ryan and John and Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. And honestly, they could probably use another offensive lineman and another playmaker on defense. So they have some holes there. The Chiefs, I give them the edge because Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. That's all that needs to be said. The continuity, even without Tyreek Hill, they're no longer one or two in the AFC. They're still in the five range. They're still... I'm not gonna say it's shooting for the playoffs, but is there they'll probably get in there as well too. Like there's a there's a really good shot that they're gonna get in there. So taking a page from the Kelsey playbook, I have those two at five and five and five and a half. Number four, I'm looking at the AFC, the current reigning AFC champion, the Cincinnati Bengals. You honestly, you have everything still there. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, everybody's still in good contracts. You got better bringing in three offensive linemen, including Lyle Collins. Still have your draft pick as well, too, which you could use the bolts like. You identified your weakness and you threw you threw the kitchen sink at it. You're doing what you need to do right now as well, too. I think if they could bolster the roster, they could climb this even even more. It's just really hard for a team that loses the Super Bowl to bounce back the next year. As we've seen, history has shown us it's really hard to bounce back the next year and be as good as you were the year before. Some teams, after losing the Super Bowl, they're never quite the same. Seattle, they never are quite able to get that same muster luster back as well, too. So I have them at number four. Number three, if everything go, if everyone's able to play. And everything stays the same. I think Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns are going to be the third best team in the AFC. This is clearly dependent on Deshaun playing at least 13 of the 17 games. So if he doesn't, obviously, if he doesn't play enough, all bets are off. I'm just going with what we have on paper because the set, the top rated, the third rated running game in the NFL last year, two all pro caliber guards and a perennial Pro Bowl receiver when he's actually getting thrown the ball and not being, not having to call his quarterback black Kirk Cousins, allegedly. A defense that is young with a lot of blossoming superstars as well. One of the better tight end rooms in the league after you cut a guy as well, too. I think there's just a lot of weapons there. Stefanski will make it work as well, too. I, to say everything you want about a, a, the roster for roster, person for person, I think the Browns, I'd put them at three in the power rankings right now. And thing is, they're not going to get a whole lot better, I don't think, because they do have some salary caps. They spring some guys in, but they don't got no draft picks. So this yeah. is subject to change following the draft, which definitely look forward to draft season as well, too. We're real close to that. Number two, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. They... The only reason they're not honestly higher is because, well, the team that ahead of them got did a little bit more, but I love bringing in Von Miller. I don't like how much you paid him for how long. It's a little bit reckless in my opinion, as great as he is. I think their defense is a whole lot better. Tredavious White, we want to see him get healthy from that knee injury as well, too. Offensively, honestly, they're still the same. I don't, cutting Cole Beasley does nothing for me really, but the only reason they're not number one is because Brian Dabble and, and squad ended up leaving to take the job. And so I think that set them back just the small amount for the Los Angeles Chargers right now to be taking over the power rankings at the top, you were on the verge of a playoff team last year as well. Despite Brandon Staley treating Justin Herbert like this is Madden going for it on fourth down in 19 <laughs> half the time. You brought in J.C. Jackson, who you and I agree is a top three corner in the game. Arguably, yes. you can make a case for number one. You can make a really strong case for it. Him and Jalen do a back and forth in my eyes, but yeah. And then Xavier Howard, I toss in there, and Yair Alexander as well, too. But all of them are in there as well. Khalil Mack. Not quite the same Khalil Mack as when he was traded the first time, but he's still got some steam next to him. You're putting him opposite Joey Bosa as well. You have all your draft picks. You can literally take the best available player. What did they pick? 13, 17, somewhere in that area. Yeah. You're going to get a darn good player there. Derwin James has a year back of being healthy. 
offensive line, Rashawn Slater going to year two. Herbert, you brought back Mike Williams, which I think was a huge thing as well. This team's absolutely as talented as it gets, which is what power rankings are. We're going off of talent, basically. You And you have a second year with Brandon Staley and squad as head coach. So I'm looking forward to the Chargers there. Right now, my number one in the power ranking. Honestly, the, your boy Jordan Davis slips them in the draft. They can grab him, and they might stay in this power, number one spot, regardless of what other teams do as well. Their biggest weakness last year was stopping the run and a little bit of offensive inconsistency. Well, defensively, good luck, everybody else. Their defense, I think, can help win them games now, which they could not do last year. Last year, their defense could was around, but the, the offense had to win the game. Now I think your defense can win you some games. Not in the AFC West. That is going to be shootouts across the board. But in other situations, that defense can win you some games now. Yeah, it's, it's very funny. Um, I'm pretty sure our top seven are the same. I'm sure your top seven includes the Patriots as well. I do not have the Patriots up there. They took a oh, step back. Okay, Losing right. J.C. Jackson, as great as it is for the Chargers, they dropped them out of my top ten even in the AFC. Okay, so we have one tip, one different in the, in, the, in the top seven, but we have a completely different order. And okay. I find unique where... My six and seven, falling out of the top five, I'm going to give my honorable mention. Six is the Chiefs. Seven is the Browns. And again, the bigger reason is I, as much as I want to be like, yeah, it's all based off of what's on paper. I don't know if Deshaun Watson's going to be on paper for the whole season. So mm-hmm. I don't want to give him that credit yet. And I still think there's moves there that they need to they need to make. And I think the Chiefs defensively still need to make more moves defensively to improve. Um, but their offense, obviously, I, I feel comfortable with. <laughs> I'll also mention, too, at number seven, I have the Ravens because of some of the moves they made defensively as well, too. I like some of the moves they made, and I think Lamar's going to get healthy as well as the rest of the team. So there's my seven, just so we're on the same. Yeah, uh, Ravens are, are close close to making making it there. But I just mentioned those two because those are two are in your list. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just, they're just outside of my list because of just – I'm there's a couple moves I want them to make first. And then, yeah. obviously, the Ravens, honestly, their draft can ch- change everything. Like, mm-hmm. them in the draft – uh, yeah, uh, they could easily jump into the top five. But yeah. so starting at number five for me, I'm going to go those New England Patriots I just mentioned. I think offensively, this team is still very good. Mac Jones is a very consistent offensive player that has proven his his floor is very high. You're going to keep getting that floor being very high year after year after year. He's not going to go make the exceptional plays, but he's proven he can win you a game by only throwing three passes. He's that smart of a player. He doesn't have to do much. He knows that. And he knows that about himself. And I think if you're a quarterback leading a franchise at any point in time in that franchise's career, but especially coming after Tom Brady, and you already know what you're capable of, I feel like you could be very successful for that team going forward because they know based off their time with Tom Brady, all they have to do is put the pieces into place and the quarterback's not going to screw it up. And if you can be Mac Jones and not screw it up, you're going to be successful. So I think that's what the, the whole plan for the Patriots are. Obviously, J.C. Jackson, I would have had them higher if he was there, but – them losing actually dropped. I they I had him at three, and then them losing J.C. Jackson dropped him down to five. Here, honestly, I probably could have dropped him more, but five feels a very comfortable place because of all the other weird moves we just saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four though is that Indianapolis Colts team you just mentioned. I think Matt Ryan kind of solidifies them in the top five because he's. We talked about it with Jacoby Brissett about the Browns earlier. Keeping teams on schedule. That's all you have to do for the Colts. Again, this is still a job where all you have to do is exist in the two seconds between getting the snap and handing the ball to Jonathan Taylor and occasionally pulling it and throwing to Michael Pittman on a slant route or a stop route or throwing it to insert receiver they go and get in free agency or the draft here. Like, please. (laughs) That's that's perfect. The one thing I didn't mention with this, too, the great signing is this, is we get to see the return of Naeem Hines. Because Matt Ryan is not scared to check it down on occasion to a oh, speed demon running back, Darren Sproles 2.0 on the flats that Carson Wentz refused to do. So I think yeah. that adds a little spice to their offense. And 
you mentioned it. They get a number two receiver or Paris Campbell plays all 17 games. They could jump up for me to four or three as well, too. But they, I agree with you. Like Matt Ryan's the perfect fit for this team. Bring Julio Jones onto the team and then draft and draft a young kid. I don't care. Like <laughs> do something. Um, also get a corner on the backside as well. That in the draft, that's that's your main goal. Yeah. Um, number three though is the team you fit, you picked at number one, the Chargers. I think they're still just a little too young to be the best team yet. There, there's there's still quite I, because so many guys had a good year in their rookie year last year. I always worry about that sophomore slump. You know, that sophomore, or or it's not even a slump, it's just a stagnation for a year. Like, you know, they don't do much or anything like that. So I worry about that. Um, obviously, that's the moves they made, though. I, I, I Honestly, I don't know if there's a better team that's not ahead of them that made better moves. Like, I, I mean, truthfully, I look at this, the Chargers made the best moves for what they needed, not name the Bengals. Which brings me to number two, <laughs> the Bengals. The team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, the Bengals and and they they you, you talk about it they they know their weakness. You just watched Joe Burrow get absolutely demolished through this playoff run and still lead you to a Super Bowl where you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Get them an offensive line. They did so. They're continuing to do so. They're going to go to the draft now and they're going to pick all defensive players hmm. and they're going to bolster their corners. They're going to bolster their defensive line. They're going to do everything they need to do to build this team, which is something that we've talked about with this Bengals team. If they could just from the front office standpoint have patience and not try to progress this thing too fast. And they have done that. I mean, they made the Super Bowl, and instead of going out and getting the highest paid in their position, they went out and got the most amount of quality players they could for each position in case of injury. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll get three tackles here. We'll get three guards. We're going to cut this guard, though, because, well, he's a former Stiller, so we don't need him anymore. And, yeah, we're good. Oh, we're going to get that backup center, too, just because he's chilling there. Like, oh, and, oh, we're going to go with Lyle Collins because we need a bodyguard bodyguard for, Hmm. for Joe Burrow. So, like... Let's do that. So I love the Bengals, what they did. Number one, though, I don't know why I'm still riding with this team. They disappointed me last year, mostly down to injury. But you get Jadavious White back this year, and the Buffalo Bills are number one. You obviously signed Von Miller to a ridiculous contract. But I'm sorry. I don't know who had a better offseason without losing anything, really. I mean, the Bills, their losses are minute compared to what they gained in my eyes. They've gained a lot and lost, like, Eh, you can't even see it on screen. Like players, I don't think they lost much. I mean, cutting Cole Beasley does nothing. But my only concern was that Dabble and the Dorsey loss as well, too. So I'm yeah. curious how if did Josh Allen did he just progress on his own? Did they help make him? Was it a little blend of both? I'm curious how that works. Anytime a young quarterback loses like the coach who he exploded with, I'm always curious about how they how they work through that as well, too. So I'm definitely curious to see that one. But one a couple of teams neither one of us mentioned. I'm so the Denver Broncos with Mr. Unlimited Russell Wilson himself at quarterback. Neither one of us had him in the top seven. Even I had him at number eight, but uh, you you don't think you don't think that big trade puts them into that top eight realm? Dude, he barely made my top ten, <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally down to him, the Titans, and the Raiders getting into the top ten spot there. Um, and those uh, spoiler alert: those three are there at 10, 11, 12. So, uh, but no, the uh, the Broncos at ten. No, I, I mean, look, you still have to figure out this Melvin Gordon situation. Is he going to be there long-term? Is he going to even play this season? We don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, you still need a couple more offensive linemen. You have, you have two, two good ones. And Quinn Miners, who, by the way, thank you, everybody who listened to me about Quinn Miners. You're welcome. I've enlightened the world about the belly. Um, now, next to him, Dalton Risner being the other, other, other offensive lineman that you have. Careful, but then you look right. at the weapons. Do I? 
Garrett Bowles is pretty good at tackling. Okay. I mean, Garrett he, Bowles is good on his day. Um, he had a lot of good days last year. That's fair. He did have a <laughs> he, he did have a lot of good days last year. Unfortunately, with a team that does not have any weapons now, because oh, by the way, you sent them all to Seattle. Um, and Noah Fant, and now you also lost Shelby Harris as well. So you have to replace both of those positions. You have to. You still have to fill in your linebacker roles. You still have a corner spot that's missing. You still have a. I don't know what's going to be your number one receiver here situation because obviously is it going to be Cortland Sutton? Is it going to be Jerry Judy? Can either stay healthy long enough? Are either one worth being a number one? Do you have to go out and get another number one? Like I don't. There's so many questions I have about who's going to be the guy for for Russell. Russell's always had that number one. He's always had a Tyler Lockett or in the last two years, DK Metcalf. The problem is when there's a number one and no number twos, or he just chooses not to throw the number twos. And that's going to be a bigger problem in this is now he has to choose where to throw the ball to with a bunch of guys he's never played with for his career. And Russell Wilson's not the most trusting quarterback we've seen. He might be number two as far as least trusting quarterback behind only Aaron Rodgers. So I'm just going to say, I think this is going to come down to the Broncos are going to shoot themselves in the foot with this Russell Wilson trade. Because they lo- they lost a lot to get Russell Wilson, but what are you going to replace him with? Because you lost everything you had the opportunity to replace the needs to help Russell Wilson. I'm curious, too, because you're going into a new coaching situation, Nathaniel Hackett, as well, too, at the reins as well. So I think that's an upgrade over Vic Fangio, because Vic Fangio was clearly checked out as the head coach there in Denver. He was, he clearly hated Drew Locke as well, too. It was pretty much well-known, even by players, he hated Drew Locke as well. So I'm curious to see if maybe the offense, the receiver weapons, like Jerry Judy, 1,000 yards, but he has like what five touchdowns in two seasons as well, too, for a guy that's highly towsy, and that's a little concerning. Cortland Sutton, fantastic a couple of years ago, was hurt than last year, was pretty good in spots. So I'm curious. Is Russell able to help take those guys to the next level as well, too? KJ Hamler, an absolute speed demon. No offense. Russell doesn't throw to tight ends anyway, so I think you're okay with that that one as well, too. I'm curious that's to see right. how the offense is built with Hackett, Russell Wilson's skill set, and these receivers, because they're all good, but they're not known as burners necessarily. They're not. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf running 40-yard routes, things like that. So I'm curious how that works. It's, you mentioned it's, the it's Titans. Also, it's also worth mentioning, like, T- Teddy Bridgewater with the Saints, with a very subpar receiving group with the Saints, exceeded very well. When he went to the Broncos with what should be a very good receiving core, <laughs> it was not good. Not a good situation. Sub-500. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, like, that's a quarterback that you know is, is going to give you the same grade every game. Every day. He gives you a B every day. He's not going to give you an A. He's not going to give you a plus. He's not going to give you a C minus. He gives you a B. And with a subpar receiving core in New Orleans, did well. With a should be good, did bad. Definitely curious to see how they do. A couple teams we mentioned as well, too. We had the Titans both sit a little bit on the outside looking in as well, too. And for me, the reason the Titans have there is that I just have a few questions. Is A, did, is, are they already peaked basically with Ryan Tannehill? Because we saw them the wheels kind of come undone last year. The injured and the durability thing is a little concerned. They had so many injuries last year. We we're able to right the ship. Derrick Henry is magnificent as he is. We finally saw the arm, a little chink in the armor with him getting hurt. Is that going to be consistent? Was this a one-off? I'm curious to see how that is moving forward. AJ Brown's been a little inconsistent with injuries. You got Bobby trees, Robert Woods come in for a six round pick. I'm curious. He can stay healthy and how that integrates in the offense. So I just have some questions, I guess, if that makes sense as well too. Like last year felt like a wonderful wave despite all of the injuries and everything like that to get into the playoffs. But I think we saw where they're limited. So that's one that I'm curious about them. And then also another thing we didn't talk about that probably made the one of the bigger moves of the offseason. Neither one of us had the Raiders up there after adding Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones as well, too, guys like that. Right. Surprised neither one of us had them up there as well, too. Is yours just questions about the holes on the team, or are you just they, – they unfortunately have to play in that division. 
there's a whole lot of holes. There's five holes in particular that I'm worried about. There's the entire offensive line that's sitting in free agency right now. Their whole starting five, okay, four out of the starting five are currently a free agent on the market. You have one guy from last year <laughs> still on your team. And it's not Richie Incognito. It's not a name you'd recognize at all by any means. So it's like the right guard. And, and, and that's Alex Leatherwood. So you, you have a walking penalty still on your roster as your only offensive lineman. All right. Well, that works for you. Um, I still worry about their defense, especially their corner situation. They re-signed Averitt, which I still don't like. Um, I think there's, yeah, there's a whole lot they need to work on. Um, the Titans, you, you mentioned them. I want to mention. I want to mention one thing about Derrick Henry. You mentioned the chink in the armor, and this is the one thing I always worry about with big running backs in their careers. You always see that one injury year, and then it's straight downhill. And I worry that workload finally got enough that it's just going to be. He's never going to get fully healthy again now, and slowly just the the the. I'm not going to say the wheels because this man is a tank. <laughs> so I'm going to say the tracks will slowly come undone. You can only fix the tracks so many times on a tank before it is becomes too tight to put on the wheels anymore. Absolutely. And who knows, maybe he's absolutely fantastic. And this is a one-off. We'll have to wait and see on that. I'm definitely curious. About I hope that so. One. This Jersey did not just, you know, it's worth something here. Come on, Derek. I also want to mention with the Raiders, the one thing you mentioned, if they can find a way to put a starting unit in front of Derek Carr, that won't get him absolutely destroyed. That wet, that core might be arguably the best weapon, like core of receiving weapons in that division as well, too, as great as that division is now that Tyrese Conn, because, Darren Waller's the second best tight end in the division, top four tight end in football. Hunter Renfro's a top three slot receiver in the game, arguably, depending on what, how you rank, who you put in that category. Devontae Adams is the best receiver who's not a slot receiver, arguably, depending how you and rate that And play slot if you want him to. Exactly. They, they, those, they're both fantastic. You have Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake at running back as well. So if they can figure out some way to just keep Derek Carr upright, that team could be really dangerous and they could climb up this list as well. Because I agree with you. They do have a pass rush, which is great on defense, but despite their – secondary holes i guess outside of trayvon merrick there are some interesting spots to keep an eye on but they can get after the passer as well as just about anybody so i'm curious to see if their strong suits can outweigh their weak spots if that makes sense like if their guys can get open so fast the offensive line does not matter and if their pass rush can be so dangerous their secondary can be a little lackadaisical if you will so i'm curious to see how they back that up as well to him my last get a linebacker before. get a linebacker to go next to divine diablo because Di- divine diablo has a has a select uh, has a nice career ahead of him but you need a linebacker next to them. They need to. They need to fill in some spots, and they, you know what? They don't have any picks to do it with, so they're gonna have to find a way to adjust with what they can find. <laughs> the last one I'm gonna mention too. Uh, there's a couple teams we didn't have mention at all. The Dolphins and the Steelers. The Dolphins with that big time trade for Tyreek. I have them sitting at 12 still. I just I have too many questions. I, I'm curious about that offensive line. I'm curious about the offensive scheme. I'm still not 100 percent sure with two, and I don't. The defense. I'm not sure about either as well too. They brought in all those guys a couple years ago. Brian Flores looked like he's gonna be a great defense. They've kind of underperformed the last couple of years in spots. So what are your thoughts on the Dolphins? Run it cover two. You'll be successful. Do exactly what you every every game that the Dolphins have won, they come out in a cover two base. No monogamy is always on the roster in some in some way, shape, or form on their active day roster. And in in the last two seasons. That is somehow an undeniable fact that is true. And I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me, but when you come out in a cover two base. And Noah Igbenogamy is, is on the active roster, either playing the special teams or as a corner that lines up in the slot. That team wins games defensively. Say what you will about it, but it's a fact. I don't worry about the defense as much. I do worry about the defensive line, though. That's a big worry for me, just because I feel like you need to add a little something extra to actually get to the quarterback. Not just to get like close, no, to get to the quarterback and actually get sacks on the quarterback. 
Um, I look for them to, to potentially try to do something with their third round pick if they have it still. <laughs> like, I don't even know which picks they have anymore. They're all gone. But uh, their offensive line, getting Teron Armstead, it definitely helps out um, for sure. But I, I, you're, you're exactly right about Tua. I do. I have them at nine. I have them ahead of these other three teams we've talked about. But And even the Steelers. I have them ahead of the Steelers. But Tua is a big question mark for me where I'm like, can I get a little more than game manager Tua consistently? If I do, this team's going to be good. Um, I mean, I've also been high on the Dolphins for, I don't know, four seasons now, and they've just perennially let me down. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just a, a, an optimistic thinker here about the Dolphins. But And then the Steelers, man, get an offensive line, and then I'll start worrying about what you can do. Because right now, they've, they've done the opposite of the Bengals. The Bengals went and fixed their problem. The Steelers are like, eh, it'll fix itself. We'll get a new quarterback, and it'll fix itself. No, you still need an offensive line, Steelers. Go get one. Please. I will, I will add with the Dolphins. I do love that they have Javon Hall and Jalen Phillips guys coming into their second year as well, too. So I'm curious how those last year's rookies come moving forward. So they do have plenty of weapons. I'm, I just need to see them all come together, especially under a brand new coaching staff and all the mess they've gone through in this offseason as well. And the Steelers, I have them at 13 as well because everything you mentioned, the offensive line still gaping. The receiving core, I'm curious about. Deontay Johnson was pretty nice. Chase Claypool has his moments, but meh. Tight end, you have a good tight end at Pat Fryermuth, a really good one. You have a fantastic young running back in Najee Harris. I'm really wondering what Mitch Trubisky is going to do in this offense. I'm really curious what the mindset here is, well, too. I'm this is interesting to me. See, what that's if they don't move up for our quarterback. They've been still rumored to move up for for Malik Willis at this point in time. Too. And if they do that, then that makes it interesting as well. I think that Malik Willis should sit as much of this year as you can behind Trubisky. Just give him time. Get him. He has some work to do as well too as do all the quarterbacks in this draft. So I'm really curious. Get an offensive line first. Yeah, I'm curious what their long goal and what their short goal is here for the Steelers. Is it just TJ Watt, please save us, and be and Minka Fitzpatrick save us? So there's a lot to look forward to, and that's just that's just the offseason after about 13 days of NFL free agency and the new year beginning. We still have plenty of offseason, plenty of pro days, plenty of draft. You'll be there's a whole lot coming up. Look out for our big board coming out next month as well too, heading into the draft and our live draft special. Actually, well. a couple of weeks from now, actually. Yeah, it's not too far away. About a month, like April 28th or so, something in that area. So when the draft begins, so we're not. Not too far away from the draft and that big board keep an eye on as well, too, because you know that there's going to be a little bit of sauce in there as well, too. There's going to be we're gonna bring a little sauce and a little spice. There's going to be a lot to talk about there as well, too. You can already tell with Kelsey's big old grin that looking forward well, to that. be a saucy start to the, the, the big board. You never know. Exactly, as well, too. So that'll do it for our AFC Power Rankings. And for those of you wondering, the reason we didn't do an AFC Power Ranking is because it's only three teams, really. Now heading into Kelsey's favorite part of the show, Crunch Time, presented by Swift Lifestyles. Clean energy gamer feel like G Fuel as well, too. Go and click the link in our description. Use code HILO Sports. Get yourself 15% off and help us get a chance to create our own flavor as well, too. You definitely help us out with that one as well, too. So, Kelsey, crunch time. What, what's on your mind today? So, we got posed a question by our intern, the guy, uh, Max, here. Uh, is the MLS giving all the MLB's issues with this lockout? Given this opportunity, they both play in the spring going to, to the fall. Can the MLS finally supplant the MLB as that number three in the big three sports in the U.S.? Do you think they have that opportunity? And, DC, I actually want to pose this question to you first because I have a very unique take on this one. So I want to see what your answer is first. Can I answer this with yes and no? Is this possible as well, too? Because I think it's going to go like this. I think as an overall, like the, from like TV perspective, ratings, all that, maybe not quite yet. But from like in-person viewing attendance and that sort of thing, like the hype from those who get there, I think MLS can pass them this year as well too. Just because I think a lot more people are going to go to those games a little more frequently. I think 
the MLB is kind of there's a sour taste with a lot of people. I don't and I don't think there's good yet. The in in game attendance after the opening week or two in that situation when everyone's like it's back, yay! It's gonna kind of take that dip off as well. Where MLS I think is climbing for in attendance, like in person attendance. So I look for it to be six and one and half a dozen the other, if that makes sense. We talked about it when we talked talked about Charlotte as well too. What was it seventy five thousand for an MLS game in Charlotte as well too? And that team is pretty much brand spanking new at this point. And I think MLS is continuing to climb for those type of like in person events as well and stuff like that. So. I look for MLS to maybe surpass them in person, but I think like ratings, TVs, even internet trending wise, I think they still have a little ways to go, but they're not as far off as I think MLB is farther away from NBA and NFL than MLS is from MLB, if that makes sense. You know, it's funny you say it that way because I'm actually going the opposite. I think the MLS has the opportunity to take over the TV market from the MLB and the MLS because here's the problem is most of the stadiums in the MLS seat between 11 and 20,000 most aren't fully open like an NFL stadium is for that opening game for Charlotte. And even, even during the Charlotte FC's regular home games, they're going to actually limit the attendance to about 40,000. So at most you're going to get 40,000. The highest record in attendance so far is Atlanta and who they did broach from 1 million. Unfortunately, the lowest in the, in the MLB is around 740,000. So in, in person attendance, it's still going to be the MLB because you want to take a break. You want to go hang out with your family. Let's go spend four hours at a ball game. Be American Pie, you know, Apple Pie, Coke, and and Chevrolet, as the old song goes. Like, it's it's ingrained in people's minds to go and visit these stadiums. But I do think in shared cities, there's going to be an alternative to go to MLS games going forward. And I think it's going to continue to grow. That MLS is going to continue to to be a byproduct of the social media universe because they do pose well on social media compared to the MLB. So I think. TV, social media, MLS is going to surpass MLB, and it will start this year. MLB, though, still is going to have the in-person for now until stadiums get built bigger in the MLS. I will say I do think MLS, because they have fewer games, I think they can maybe have better intent, like per-game attendance, like per-game, because their MLB has so damn many if you add them all up. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out as well, too. So definitely something to keep an eye on as well. We might have ourselves a big four on the horizon as well, too. Well, that's going to do it for us today. DJ joined as always by Kelsey for the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you joining us this week. We will see you guys next week for a whole lot of sports fun and probably some food references as well. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. 
This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.